please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We began looking at verse 14 last week. We, um, we covered the first part of verse 14, but because we needed to come back, of course, I studied a little bit more. And uh, <laughs> I added to my notes. So what I'd like to do is share those new insights with you um, today as we progress on to the latter half of verse 14, which is where we left off last week. So before we get there, uh, let me just uh, do a quick review, if that's possible. All right. <laughs> the Apostle John writes there, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, he says that we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Remember again, the Apostle John right now is giving us some things to help us to be God's answer to man's need to see him. Remember that again, okay? And so the first thing that he shared with us was the presence of the Holy Spirit, his power, amen? And uh, because it made such a great impact on his life that he, he needed to share that First of all, on the list of the things that we need to be aware of, the, spirit, the, the Spirit's presence in our life, and of course, His power as well. And as I said to you before, please understand that the Apostle John would have walked in probably most of the manifestations of the Spirit. Amen. Not, not just the ones that the religious people like to admit to. And I'll leave it there. Okay. <laughs> all right? Okay. Because uh, I, I think, uh, let me just, you know, let me clarify a little bit what I mean by that, because I've got a few confused faces. Well, the two that are here. Um, <laughs> um, I don't think a lot of people see the Apostle John praying in tongues. Does that clarify it? Amen. I do. I see him praying in tongues. Because he did. He was in the upper room when the Spirit came. And, you know, there were tongues of fire. All the amazing things that happened. Amen. And uh, so he, he, he was, he moved in the gifts of the Spirit more, or I like to call them the manifestations, more, I believe, than a lot of people today do. Amen to that. And so because it was such a powerful thing in his life, that was the first thing he wanted to share with us. He wanted to say, listen, the, the first thing that you need in your life, operating in your life, is the Holy Spirit. And you need to be walking in the power of the Spirit in order to be God's answer to man's need. To see him. Family, man has a need to see God. You know, they're looking in all sorts of places, all the wrong places, all right? And we're the ones that should be displaying God to such a degree that there's no question in their mind, God exists. Amen? So anyway, <clears throat> that was last time. All right. <laughs> then we went on to the second thing that the Apostle John wanted to share with us uh, to help us with this, was in verse 14 when he said, we have seen and testified. In other words, he's saying, listen, you need to know without a shadow of a doubt that what we're sharing with you is firsthand. That we, we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he did come to take away the sin of the world. Because a lot of people still have this, you know, idea of what if it's not, all, you know, what if it was all a lie and, you know, we all, when we die, that's the end of it. Or oh, we're all going to hell. <laughs> One way or the other, it's bad, all right? And uh, the Apostle John needs to, uh, uh, I guess, help us to, to know. And that's the reason why he says, by, you know, when he, when he said in verse 13, he says, by this we know we abide in him. Now he wants us to know that Jesus is the Son of God. And he was sort of saying, listen, I have seen, I am, I'm testifying 
firsthand that this man was the son of God. He wasn't just a normal person. Okay. And we, we looked at some of the things that, that convinced the Apostle John about this. We began in first, uh, excuse me, in John chapter 1, verse 29. I will race through the things that I shared with you last week because you already know them. But <laughs> when I get to something new, I'll slow down. Okay? All right. So I'm going to race through the first one. This is when uh, it said the next day, John, remember again, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said to those with him, which included the Apostle John and Andrew. That's Peter's brother. Okay? He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That was in John chapter 1, verse 29. And remember again, I said it made such an impact on him, just on them, that just a couple of verses down in verses 35 through 37, when it says again, again, the next day John stood with, the two, with two of his disciples, whom we know is John and Andrew, okay? And looking at Jesus, verse 36, as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And verse 37 says the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. So Jesus took off, okay? So we looked at that last week. I'm going to look at it again. However... I, have, I added something after that that I want to share with you. Because remember again that, you know, this is John's first-hand experience of Jesus Christ. That first of all, he heard the testimony that this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then in uh, Matthew chapter 3, I want to go there next. Matthew chapter 3, I want to read in verse 13. These are all the things that made an impact on John. And he is Im- wanting to impact our thinking in the same way so that we have the same assurances what he saw he relates to us so that they can be things that we uh, uh, I guess use to help us be convinced that we are following the right God are y'all here amen okay all right so where was that Matthew chapter 3 beginning verse 13 it says then Jesus came from Galilee to uh, to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? And everybody says, see, water baptism is really important, because even Jesus went there and and said, I need to be baptized by you. You know why people say that? Because they, they didn't read verse 11. What verse are we in? 13 and 14. There were two verses before that. Do you know 11 comes before that? Okay, so let me give you, no. <laughs> All right. The, the reason I want to draw your attention to verse 11 has nothing to do with what we're doing right now, but it's important, okay? It's because of what John said. This is John the Baptist says to Jesus. When he said, I should be baptized by you, he didn't mean water baptized. Watch what it, can we go back to verse 11? Watch what it says. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, I need, uh, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with more water. (laughs) It's what everybody thinks. Look, Look at what he says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Boy, okay. That's what John wanted from Jesus. He said, forget the water. You do your thing. I want that. See, it's verse, three verses after that, we get to this place. So we need to know when, when John said to Jesus, I need to be baptized of you, he didn't mean water baptism. 
he meant this baptism. The, the, the very thing he had spoken of a few verses before. But that's not what we're talking about today. So let's move on. <laughs> okay? little side trip just to let you guys know. All right, verse 15. Matthew 3, 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit, uh, permit it to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed them. Now watch, with everyone watching. Okay, verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Now this is something they saw, they heard. Remember he said, we are testifying as to what we saw, what we heard. Amen? So I thought that was important to include in, in the things. But not only did they hear, uh, see and hear this from God, but devils as well. <laughs> okay, there were demons. First there's the incident, I'm going to take you there next. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 28 and 29. Because I think this is very significant. That not only did they hear God the Father speak from heaven and say, this is my beloved son. Okay, remember we're talking about the son of God. Okay, all right. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, it says, When he had come to the other side, to the country of the, that place, <laughs> they met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. These guys were known. These were, <laughs> you know, this is something that you would read in the local newspaper. Demons attack more people going down this road. Dumb people that, you know, <laughs> why go down that road? Anyway, all right? This, this, this was something that was just incredible. This is a, 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 one of those things that you don't forget. When you have these kind of demons running around, when they're exceedingly fierce, do you hear me? They weren't just kind of like sitting there and their head just spinning around, okay? <laughs> We're talking about things that come and attack you. All right. Watch, I don't want to deal with this, this incident, but I want you to see something in verse 29. And suddenly they cried out saying, instead of doing what they normally do and freaking everybody else out, they get freaked out. <laughs> okay? And suddenly they cried. This would have made an impact on the apostles. Can I, can I get an amen on that? I mean, they, oh, they were disciples back then. They would have been thinking, this is, not, this is not something you see every day. Normally we're running from them. Okay, these guys come along and this time we're with Jesus. There is something different about Jesus. Amen. Oh, remember I told you that seen testify, okay, that he's a son of God, all right? And suddenly they cried out saying, what have we to do with you? Watch, Jesus, you son of God. Wow, I think that would have made an impact. So, you know, first thing they see, God the Father speaking and saying, you know, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Next week, the devil's going, we know who you are. <laughs> You're Jesus, the son of God. I mean, how clear is that? Can we say that's clear? Amen. Okay. So, <laughs> right? Can you see why the apostle John is saying, we're testifying. We're letting you know that he was the son of God. And uh, the, notice they went, go on to say, have you come here to torment us before the time? So obviously they know who's boss. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now added to this, there's also the incident recorded in Mark chapter 3 in verses 10 through 12. Mark chapter 3 verses 10 through 12. It says in verse 10, for he healed many. Praise God. You know, I like to always pause there for a minute. 
He healed many, okay? <laughs> so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. Verse 11, and the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him. I really want you to see that. Whenever they saw him, okay? Fell down before him. This is very unusual. I really want you to see Jesus walking you know, his disciples and these unclean spirits where people used to just stay away from him because they're unclean, they're bad things, would come and fall down before Jesus, wouldn't threaten him, they would fall down before him. This would make an impact, I think, on the disciples. They go, what is this? Okay? Whenever, uh, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. Wow. Amen. <laughs> Verse 12. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. Just shut up. <laughs> All right. But, you know, once again, and that would probably have been puzzling to the disciples as well. You know, they would have been thinking, why don't you want everybody? These are all the things that the synagogues have trouble with. All them rabbis don't know what to do with this one. And they come and worship you. They, they proclaim, they know who you are. They say, out of their own mouth, they say, you are the son of God. Boy, they need to hear this. He says, come on, come and listen to this. Even the devils have more sense than you. <laughs> okay? Now, I know Peter was thinking that. I know how that man thinks. All right. <laughs> Get this on tape. <laughs> okay. yeah, too bad they didn't video records back then. <laughs> All right, <laughs> from that, then I also went and uh, shared with you about the incident on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, remember that? Okay, uh, where they went up and Jesus transformed. So I won't go through that, okay? But that was the next thing that happened. All right, so I'm giving you a bit of a logical sequence here. So we see, you know, first they hear, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then they hear God saying, this is my beloved son. Then they see demons from the really fierce ones to whatever there was coming and saying, you are the son of God. Amen? And then they go up on the mountain and see him transform. It's like, wow! Is there anything else? <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, there's Moses and Elijah. We see, we talk to dead people. No. <laughs> he talks to dead people. <laughs> okay. Um, so, anyway. I, I think all of this would have made an impact. You know, having had this kind of experience, you can see why the Apostle John is saying, listen, we have seen and we testify. We were there. You don't know the number of things we've seen. You know, them demon things that would curl your hair. We were there when they were charging and Jesus said, just stand. Stand your ground. It's okay. I just know somebody, you know, Thomas going, I, I doubt he's going to stop now. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I think I'll go hide behind some rock. No, man. I mean, he just said, stand your ground. I think that would have made an impact on them. They come to a screeching halt. And go, don't do anything bad to us. And the disciples go, you're kidding. You know? We thought you were going to kill us. Anyway, so, <laughs> all right, so, where was I? Uh, we then went on and looked at Luke chapter 24, following the death of Jesus. When he ascended, remember he comes back to them, visits them. And I said again um, in verse 39, Luke I'll just look at one, one verse. Luke chapter 24, verse 39 when Jesus said to them, Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. And then he says, Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Amen. I mean, he let them know. So 
I mean, if there was any doubt, because they did doubt a little bit after he died, okay. If there was any doubt, it was all gone on that day. Because here's some, here was something that nobody else had done, come back from the dead. Amen? And he wasn't just a man anymore. He just appeared. And then he just disappeared. Okay? So once again, we, we, know, we, we looked at all of these things. And I, I pray that you get a revelation because these are the things that we need in our life. Amen? To know that the things that we're believing in, you know, has substance to it. And the Apostle John is saying, this is the next thing you need. Why am I sharing this with you as well? Because I don't want somebody to come and make a sweeping statement like, well, you believe what you want and we'll believe what we want. No, we don't just believe what we want. We believe what is true. Amen. We believe in things that are factual. That's the difference. Now, if you want to go believe in some fairy tale, go right ahead. But this is no fairy tale. This is why the Apostle John is saying, this is not a fairy tale. I'm telling you firsthand, I experienced this. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Trust me. Amen. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> now we can move on to the second half of the verse in the last five minutes. No, anyway. <laughs> uh, we, let, let me read once again in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, where he says again, so now you understand when he says, and we have seen and testified. Do we have a revelation on that now? Okay, they saw, they're testifying. They're saying, listen, we know what we're talking about. Then he says that the father, see, this is why he needs to say it in this way, because you don't, he's saying, I know you're going to doubt this. This is one of those verily, verily situations. <laughs> you know, when Jesus was trying to get a truth across to people that he knew wouldn't believe him, he'd go verily, verily. He's, in other words, he's going assuredly, truly, I say to you, I know you don't want to believe this, but I'm telling you the truth. Okay, and he does that, you know, when he, in uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 23, we all know that verse, don't we? When he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever shall, sh shall say unto this mountain, because I know you're not going to believe it. Because I know you're going to turn this into some hypothetical mountain. And you're going to preach, this is not a literal mountain. This is a figurative mountain. And leave it at that. And yeah, they're figurative mountains as well. But the real one as well, because he's going to come back to that mountain. So this is one of those rarely things. Okay, are you all with me? All right, so that's why the Apostle John is saying, listen, you know, if, if anything, he could have put a verily, verily, I say unto you in the beginning here. <laughs> okay? That we have seen and testified. And he's going to say that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. I know you won't believe this. I know you don't think that God loves us that much. That he would do this, that he would send his most prized. I don't know how to put it. I, I, I can't, I don't know, the, I don't have the words to express how precious Jesus was, how precious the Son was to the Father. I was going to say Jesus was to God, but I want to make that a little closer and say the Son was to the Father. Amen? Because when we read in the original text, that's really what it says. When it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, that statement has an intimacy about it that that word was with God throughout all of eternity and knew God in ways that we will never know because it was God knowing God. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, we think we know people after 30 years. What happens after in eternity? How well do you know? How close are you to that individual? Are you all with me? Amen? Okay. 
All right. So it's, it's, that's, we really need to, we, we will never really understand how much the Father loved the Son, how much He was willing to give up for us because we did something dumb. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Created a perfect planet for us and we messed it up. All right. And then somebody had to come and die for it. Okay. So we, I've got you to the place where we were talking about now the fact that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Okay? It wasn't just Jews. It wasn't just one race. It was for the entire population. Do you know why? See, a lot of people, you know, I want to do something right now very quickly. I want you to remember that when God created man, he didn't create a Jew. <laughs> okay? Can I put it that way? He created mankind, a species called mankind, after his image, after his likeness. That got all split up along the way, but they're still, all of them, in his image and his likeness. He loves all of them the same. They're all descendants of Adam. You're here? And Eve, of course. Okay, but remember, Eve was in Adam. Amen. They were one. Even when they got split up, they still came back together and were one. Amen. So I really need you to understand something that God has always seen mankind from that perspective. I know religious people look at it and say, well, are you Jew or Gentile? That never matters to God. I'm going to show you a verse. I don't want to get there yet, but I want to show you a verse when I get to it that explains that and why it says that. Because I want you to understand that God has always had the whole world on his mind. He has never had one race of people on his mind. Amen? Okay, so we see a, a, an excellent example of this in John chapter 4. Let's go there. John chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 39. <clears throat> Following the conversation, and I would love to have uh, shared that with you, but <laughs> we'll get off point. Uh, the, the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well. Remember the Samaritan woman? Okay, all right. Uh, I just want to bring out an aspect, something that relates to what we're talking about from this story. All right? John chapter 4, verse 39. It says, And as many as the... Uh, excuse me. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he, and said, this is what she said, he told me all that I ever did. In other words, she had gone and said, there is a man, he just knew things about me. And see, Jesus didn't just know about the facts, he knew what was in the heart as well. Do you understand? And that's why he, whenever he spoke to people, he touched people's hearts. He didn't just stimulate intellect. He touched their hearts. He really got to a place where they lived. Are you all here? It's something that the religious people never did, but he did, which is why they just loved him, you know? Anyway, uh, verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Now, these, these Samaritans, okay, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. Okay, there was some, some bad history. I don't want to get into it. But there was a point in time when they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And they came to help. And, you know, I've said this before. Just because it's written doesn't mean it's right. It's accurate, but it doesn't mean it's right. And I think it was Nehemiah and somebody else that said, no, we don't want your help. Now, everybody says, see, we should do that. No, that was just written to show the problem that was going to come from that. When the Samaritans came to help and they refused their help, they really got mad. They got offended. 
I know I kind of would be a little bit too. Are you all here? You know, they, they should have said, okay. There should have been something done about that back then, but it didn't. And so because of that, there was, you know, this, this, uh, this division came in. It was suddenly theirs and ours, which is why the woman at the well was going, well, which, where is it right to, to worship God? And that's why Jesus, in his answer, he lets us know that Nehemiah was wrong. In his answer, he lets us know that neither place is right. God is spirit. And we are to worship him in spirit and in truth, not in some building. In fact, he's going to walk out the temple, look at it and say, this thing won't be standing much longer. But you are so proud of, but the Jews are so proud of, but caused so much division, isn't even going to be standing. Hello. Anyway, that's okay, something else. Let's move back to here, shall we? <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I hope you're learning something from all of this. I, I just want to bless you guys with things. Anyway, so we're back to this. Again, it says, uh, when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed there two days. Verse 41, which would have shocked them to begin with. And many more believed because of his own word. Verse 42, and this is the one I want to draw attention to. Then, the, then they said to the woman, listen, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know. Do you hear? They said, we're not guessing anymore. We know. That is the most powerful thing you can say. All right? He's, they said, we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Do you know, that is such a beautiful statement because they said, we know he's our Savior too. He's not just the Jew's Savior. He's our Savior. He stayed. He talked to us. He shared. I, I, I will guarantee you he healed even though he didn't say because he would have always done that he would have met whatever needs were there whatever needs were there he would have just met them hallelujah all right and we know that all these samaritans were saved on that day because notice they've confessed something now all right according to john chapter 1 and verse 12 i really like this john chapter 1 verse 12 it says as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name. Isn't that beautiful? See, that was the criteria back then. Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us what it is now. Because he hadn't been raised from the dead yet. <laughs> okay? So if they just believed him, that was enough. Are you all with me? And that's the reason why I want to share this, this particular verse with you. Because they all believed him. And there was a whole village of Samaritans that God saved. You know, they probably started the first church of the Samaritans or what, I don't know, something like that. You know, one of the first churches. All right. <laughs> I'm sure they did in that town. It was always God's will to save the world, not just one group of people. And I really want you to see this. That's why, in fact, let's go to Acts chapter 10 very quickly. You all know this verse. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth. Listen, of a truth. This is not lies, okay? Of a truth, he said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. You know why this was so shocking to him? Because he always thought he was. And then suddenly he sees the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, just like the Jews. There was no difference. The Holy Spirit didn't come and go, Woo, unclean thing. Go to the outer court, please. What are you doing here? 
Who let these people in? Who let the dogs in? No. <laughs> okay. They used to think of the Gentiles as dogs. You know? <laughs> okay. We could really sing that song. You know? <laughs> okay. No, man, <laughs> he just fell on everybody. God just came to save all the descendants of not Abraham, Adam. Did you hear me? And then in being saved, they all became the descendants of Abraham. Spiritual descendants, which is really interesting. That's the reason why um, it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse uh, chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3, <laughs> verse 28, where it says there is, this is the Apostle Paul, a Jew of Jews. Okay, I mean, this is a Jew as you can get. He says there is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave or free, there is neither male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, you know, this was God's vision. In fact, you know, if we go into the next verse, verse 29 is really significant and, and as well. So if you could just put verse 29 up for me really quickly. I, haven't had, I don't have it in my notes. But be, <laughs> and I've been making this list of notes of just scriptures that really bless me. And uh, that scripture blessed me. If you are Christ, what is it? Then are you Abraham's seed and heirs. To the promise. Everybody even says, well, all the Old Testament stuff belongs to the Jews. Abraham, yes. Thank you. Sign on the dotted line. (laughs) (laughs) Give it over. (laughs) You know, I I heard this by a very prominent minister. That said, now we understand that there were some promises that were specifically to the Jews. I said, where? Where? What did I miss out on? What else belongs to (laughs) Because this tells us that we become heirs according to all the things that God promised Abraham became ours. So don't come with this, well, brother, you know, the Jews got more. No. We got so much more. We got everything Abraham has and God. So this again is what the Apostle John meant when he said, In verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now, it is only as you know this, that you can not only be God's answer to man's needs to see him, in being able to tell others about the miracle that has taken place in you. And I really want to share this with you very quickly because, you know, sometimes people look at this and they say, well, you know, Jesus came as the Savior of the world. Do you want to be saved? Can I give you a different approach? Are you all ready? Okay, listen. That, that has become such a cliche, people won't want to hear you. They'll switch off. If you ever go down that road, they'll just switch off. They'll, they'll think you're one of them nuts, all right? Okay. So <laughs> I want to take you out of the nut basket today, okay, and give you something else, that, a different approach. Because if we are God's answer to man's need to see him, we need to be able to share something that is significant to them. One of the most significant things in people's lives is their failure. Do you know that? So much of the time, you know, they, no matter how much of a front they put, they always realize, they always have this deep knowing. I don't know how else to put this. And they, they'll, they'll admit it to, I, I, you probably, I don't know if you've had this experience, and people just come and start talking to you. And then they t- start telling you stuff, and you start getting uncomfortable, because that's very personal. Why are you telling me? <laughs> okay. And, and then you don't know what to do. And you're thinking, mm, Okay, I gotta go. Okay, okay, no. Yeah, but the, one of the things that they express is their unworthiness. 
It seems to be at the core of the human condition. That's one of the things that Jesus came and died for. And so in your sharing this good news, what you need to share with them isn't simply that God came to take away your sin. God came to make you a new creation. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some verses from that perspective. Are you all here? Okay. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is how you share this bit of information. This is how you share the fact that Jesus came to die for all of us. This is how you share that God sent his son as savior of the world. This is how you share it, okay? A little funny, but get it. I hope you get it. Therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's really what people need to hear. They need to hear, first of all, that you too were in the mess that they were in, but you became a new creation. Not only did God forgive you, but something happened inside. You are not the same person. You are not a sinner that has been forgiven that is still a sinner. That keeps getting forgiven. That's still a sinner. <laughs> okay? Now, you may sin, but that's not the same person anymore. There is something brand new on the inside of you. Do you want that new life? Do you want that brand new person? You want to get rid of the old guy? You know, the one you've been complaining about? Let's get rid of him, shall we? There, now you're getting him saved, but a whole different way. <laughs> okay? That's what Jesus came to do. That's how he saved. He, he, he brought in a new creation, something that never existed before, and said, here, this is my gift to you. Oh, hallelujah. I think this is awesome. Okay, so let, let me continue reading. He says, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, that's it. All your past is gone. Is this good news? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. You are a brand new person. Watch, he says, all things, all things, all things. Can we all say all things? All things, which means nothing was left out. All things have become new. He doesn't stop there. The next verse says, and all things are of God. So not only are they new, but they, their origin is God. Oh, oh, oh that, I'm happy. Are you happy? I'm happy. Okay, <laughs> all right. This is what the Apostle John means when he says that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. To make you a new person, not just a sinner saved by grace, but a brand new individual. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. And so it says, verse 18 goes on to say, uh, I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he didn't just reconcile us and say, well, that's good now. Go to your little hole. Just live in your cave. Don't tell anybody about this. How you keep it a secret? <laughs> okay. He says, listen. He says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, whatever happened to you, share that with others. Help them get there. Amen? And he says, that, uh, verse 19, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In that, not only does God have nothing against you anymore, but he wants to recreate you. See, we, 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 we separate these verses too much sometimes, and we lose the track that, you know, the apostle is on when he's making a point. He's saying, do you not understand the, the miracle of the new creation. Do you not understand that God is not holding anything against anyone? Do you not understand the miracle that took place in you is there for everyone else as well? That's the good news. Want to become something brand new? Amen. Want to leave your past behind? Want to leave all the things that have held you back? 
from becoming everything that you possibly could be. Your design, your destiny. Oh, praise God. Therefore, <laughs> as I conclude, with all this in mind, while verse 13 helped us to know that because we had the Spirit, we were of God, and as such, we could meet the needs of those around us through miraculous means, here in verse, verse 14, the Apostle John helps us know that God did send His Son to pay the price for our sin. Amen? And be the Savior of the world, and that anyone who chooses to believe Him, or believe in him, will receive the same miracle as well. And all because, as we conclude, the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this incredible revelation.